Welcome, and thanks for checking out this podcast from First International Christian Fellowship. The following message you are about to hear was carefully crafted with you in mind. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope that this message speaks to you as it did to us. Now here's Pastor Joe Salcido delivering this week's sermon. Please join me in the word of prayer. Father, we thank you once again for this evening that you have given to us us to learn more about you, your ways, and your will for our lives, Lord God, for our lives here on earth, but more especially for our lives for you. Father, we thank you for the songs and the messages that were in them. We pray, Father God, that um, your Holy Spirit that is in your people, Father God, be the one to give us the wisdom, the wisdom to know what it is you are trying to tell us, and Lord, give us the humility to actually obey it or yield to it. Father, we pray for the lost soul that is here tonight. We pray, Father God, that this may be the evening that he or she will surrender their lives to you as their Lord and Savior. Father, I pray for wisdom. Give me the words, Lord God. Tell me what to say and what not to say. And Lord, let you and you alone speak through me, Father God, to your people. Override my preparations, Lord God. We depend on you and I depend on you completely. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 to 9. If you don't have a Bible, please raise your hand and our young people will give you one. If you have a Bible app, we have one person here in the front, please. Um, you can really. There's one there in the back. Anybody else need a Bible here? No? Okay, the purpose of the Bible is not to... Um, it's just not to bless your uh, pictures, that the people that you put in there. <laughs> Purpose of the Bible is for us to study it, correct? Amen. We believe that the Bible is the inspired word of God. That's 2 Timothy 3.16. It is the very word of God written down. Therefore, we believe that the Bible is true and coherent. Amen? It does not teach us anything that are that is false. It does not contradict itself. We believe this because Jesus Christ has made himself real to us and has shown himself to be the trustworthy son of God. He has taught us that the scriptures cannot be broken. That's John 10, 35. He commissioned apostles to teach the church and promised to lead them into all the truth. That's John 16, 13. So the Bible or your Bible app, it should be like oxygen. It's a must. We need it. If we don't have it, we die. Amen? Do you see it that way? Okay. Need more convincing? That's fine. We have the whole year to work on this. We're still on our journey in the book of Galatians. I titled our message tonight, What's the Difference? In the question mark. What's the difference? Right? If you have a Facebook, and I, if you don't, I would say that you're on a statistical error. That's what I'll call you. You guys know about the 10-year challenge? Heard about the 10-year challenge? Okay, this guy, I don't, I think this wasn't a 10-year difference because there's no difference, right? There's no difference from how he looks 10 years ago to 10 years from now. It's the same picture. But some people, you know, a, a lot of women, a lot of women um, actually uh, love to tackle the 10-year challenge. 
challenge. Um, but I think the 10-year the challenge, the, the only difference that from the 10 years is that it's so much easier to use the filter. Because <laughs> it's now built in, right? Photoshop was invented many years ago, but it was so hard for us to use. But now it's built in in our apps and we can just make ourselves look younger and fresh and no problem person with a big smile, right? The 10-year challenge is to, to challenge us to show, okay, was there a big change in how I look? This is, a, this is what Facebook is trying to do and some people are thinking it's the FBI who's trying to get an update on how you look, you know? <laughs> So, one of the two, they're probably correct, <laughs> either or. But us spiritually, I know we discussed it in our previous messages, that we need to at least get an inventory or to a, a review of how our spiritual life has been comparing our, our many months from 2018, right? But as, as we move forward with our faith, do we actually ask ourselves, what's the difference? After I accepted Christ, what's the difference with my life now from my life without Christ? And as I, as I always get entangled with that thought, personally, I know I have you guys on Ephesians 2, 8, 9. I read Galatians 5, 2 to 15, which is what we're going to go through tonight. I cannot help but to see the difference of maybe what James, or some of you guys, are when you guys read James, and what Paul has written down. Is, is there the challenge of, are we justified by what? By faith or by works? And I hope and I, I pray to God that, that all these years with, with Pastor Julius and, 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 and me for the past few years, I hope that we have cleared it with the members at least. <laughs> you know, I hope that we've been so clear that it is justified by grace. Let's go to our uh, Bible. Ephesians 2, 8, 9. For you are saved by grace through faith. And it's not from yourselves. It is God's gift. Not from works so that no one can boast. Right? It's so clear and at the same time, it's for me, it's so relieving. It's so refreshing. To know that it was God's gift to me in order for me to enter into a new life with Him now and in the future. When He finally takes me from this tent, which is so lousy, I'm sick again. It just needs to be under 35 outside and I'm going to get sick. And I'm so tired of it. I'm so tired of it. I can't wait for my perfect body. You know, there's no more hunger. But I love eating, so that's the problem. That's why I'm going to have a talk with the Lord. Lord, I'm Filipino, and I love to eat. Is there any way you can do something about this? <laughs> but I think there's a lot of eating there. We're not just not going to be hungry. There's going to be plenty. But see, next verse is, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. So are we justified by faith or are we justified by works? Now, in our study, Galatians chapter 5, verse 2 to 5. Take note, I, Paul, am telling you that if you get yourself circumcised, 
Christ will not benefit you at all. I know we've been in this journey for quite some time for our members, for the, but for the visitors that have not read, uh, read uh, Galatians, there's been some Judaizers that went in the church that has been trying to impose or implement, add to their faith, circumcision, physical circumcision, which is the Jew, Jews uh, practice, Old Testament practice. So Paul has been tackling this in this letter to the Galatian church. So now Paul in verse 2 says that if you do that, Christ will not benefit you at all. Verse 3, again I testify to every man who gets himself circumcised that he is obligated to do the entire law. Because if you follow one, you need to follow all. That's what Paul is saying. So if we're going to be honest and we're going to look at the Ten Commandments, we know we've broken it right ten times over in a minute on a bad day. Right? Before, we're leaving, before we leave the house, we're arguing with the wife. We kick the dog, right? Kick the dog on the way out, get in the car, cut somebody. And we're like, oh, man, I'm so glad I'm saved by grace. Right? On a bad day, you've broken everything. It doesn't need much for us to violate one. So Paul is saying, if you're going to follow one, if you think you can add to your salvation, then you might as well do everything. You who are trying to be justified by the, by the law are alienated from Christ. You have fallen from grace. For we eagerly await through the Spirit, by faith, the hope of righteousness. If you feel the need to add to this perfect work that Christ has done on the cross for your salvation, you have not completely understood what you have done to begin with. If you think there is something else for you to do in addition to God's grace, then you didn't understand what you did to begin with. Because there's nothing to add to what Christ has done. If there is something to add, this is somehow what you're saying. Lord, I thank you for dying on the cross for my sins, for being buried for three days, for resurrecting after the third day. I like that, that 500 people saw you and everything that you said in the word is true. I like that, but you know what? I think you're missing one thing. Your work is really not perfect because I think I need to add what? Not circumcision now, right? Baptism? I think I need to add baptism to my salvation. I think I need to add what? The good works... I don't, now, again, verse 10 in Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead for time for us to do. So, there's, there's, so what is it? So now somebody with a questioning mind should be asking, So what is it? What is it? Am I justified by faith or by works? For all of us, we know it's clear, but then... Another thing here, in Romans 9.30, I just want to share this real quick. What should we say then, Paul speaking, Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have obtained righteousness, namely the righteousness that comes from faith. But Israel, pursuing the law of righteousness, have not, has not achieved the righteousness of the law. Why is that? Because they did not pursue it by faith. But 
but as if it were by works, they stumbled over the stumbling stone as it is written, which is in Isaiah 8.14 and 28.16, look, I am putting a stone in Zion to stumble over and a rock to trip, trip over, and the one who believes on him, speaking of Jesus, will not be put to shame. The Judaizers were having such a hard time how unfair it is for the Gentiles to earn heaven without practicing anything that they have practiced for the with their entire lives. That their generations from their great-great-grandfather, generation after generation, that they have practiced it to attain heaven, it's now disqualified, it's now dismissed because of what Paul has been preaching. That you, are only, that you can only be saved by grace through the perfect work of Christ. So the Judaizers, they wanted to be Christians too, in addition to their work. So now it's just not fair to them. Now it's not fair to them that they're the only ones who got that circumcision, how painful it was. So now they want to give it to other people. Put that burden on other people too. In our time now, somehow we do the same thing. We all embrace God's grace. We all say we're not perfect people, but as soon as we think we're walking that perfect walk, we think we're walking it perfectly, that straight and narrow road, all of a sudden we want to impose our way of living upon other believers. Now if it's, now if it's done with love, if it's done with love, if it's done with, with, with mercy, because you know, hey, you know when I stopped doing that, my life has never been the same. I've been, my, my family's been happier. I want you to experience the same thing. Now if it's done in that essence, if it's done in that manner and with that heart, there's nothing wrong with it. But if it's done in a judgmental way, to a point that we're just saying, I'm better than you and you're probably not a Christian, we're nothing better than the Judaizers that has been causing this confusion in this church. Now, going back to Galatians, in Galatians 5, 3, 4, again I testify, Paul speaking still, again I testify to every man who gets himself circumcised, that he is obligated to do the entire law. You who are trying to be justified by the law are alienated from Christ. You have fallen from grace. Now read what James has written down. James now says, For whoever keeps the entire law and yet stumbles at one point is guilty of breaking it all. So they're saying the same thing, correct? But for some people, they think James is, is saying differently from what Paul has delivered. But they're not. They're saying the same thing. And for some reason, I wanted to show us the difference tonight. I just didn't want to go through the Galatians again. It's by grace, not by works. But I wanted, if there is anybody sitting here right now that was, is confused about, okay, James says this, but then Paul saying a different, like look at James 18, 218. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without works and I will show you faith by my works. 
some people they think okay there then my works is needed with my faith I need works in addition to my faith and that's wrong because of our faith we do these works it's the result of our faith that's why it compels us our love for God compels us to do good works it compels us to change and not stay the same. Can we say amen to that? Okay, if you don't believe it, don't say amen. <laughs> but if you believe it, you say amen to it, uh, the question is, are you, are you living that? Can you ask yourself, what's the difference with me now? After I accepted Christ, what's the difference now? I've been a believer for 10 years. What's the difference with me now? The 10-year believer challenge. What is it now? If you were to post it on Facebook without editing it, without using any filter, the filter is what people want to see, right? But without filter, the real you, can you, can, will you post it? Because <laughs> I know I wouldn't post it. I, won't want, I don't want people to see how flawed I am. But that's the opposite. Facebook only tells us, show how good you are. Show us the good times. All right? If I go through my timeline, I wonder what people are saying what, that life is not good. Because with, between me and my friends, life, it's, life seems to be so good. There's no problems. There's no arguments. There's no fights. Everything's good. Because that's what we want people to see. Correct? Yeah. Okay, this is not about Facebook etiquette. But what I'm saying is, if can we ask ourselves, what's the difference with me now? If we are to do good works because of our relationship with the Lord, that we are compelled because of God's love in our lives, of everything that He has done, can we honestly say, there's been a change? Has there been a change? Is God powerful enough to help you change? The answer is yes. The thing is, the other question is, are you willing? Because God respects that free will, which I hate. I hate the free will. That's one thing that I really want God to always take, the free will. Because we are no longer living for ourselves. And I hope it's clear. If anyone wants to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and come follow me. Luke, Luke 9.23. Some of us, we still need to make that decision. If we are to be God's disciples. We call him Lord, but we're not his followers. We're just, he's just our Lord, so we're saved. Now to this point here, the truth that we are justified by faith alone, not by works, you can already see it. For example, look at if you look at Romans 3.28, we maintain that a man is justified by faith apart from works of the law. And then you look at um, Romans 5.5, 5, it reads, So the one who does not work but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited as righteousness. So God's verdict of not guilty and his, his imputing of his own righteousness to us 
he places his, his righteousness, righteousness to us in Christ at the beginning of the Christian life is by faith alone. We are justified by faith alone with nothing else commending us to God. Nothing else. We trust his free grace to forgive us and acquit us and count us as righteous because of the work of Christ. That's how we get started in the Christian life. Justified by faith alone. Now we read Galatians 5, 6. Still with the question, what's the difference? 5, 6 reads, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision accomplishes anything. What matters is faith. Working through love. Working through love. That's the first thing that must happen to the person that accepted Christ. That person, if he was unloving, he will become loving. Or she will become loving. Because a truly forgiven person will all of a, all of a sudden what? Understand that he or she is not perfect, which compels him or her to understand that the people that have offended me aren't perfect as well. And if God has forgiven me with all the mistakes that I've done in my life, I am to forgive the people that have offended me all my life. If you're married, you can shake your head and say, yes, I constantly forgive her or him. Right? Marriage is the first and great practice of Christianity. Do we agree? Amen. It's the first practice of unselfishness. It's where you get to practice this day in and day out, minute after minute, second after second. Do we agree? And if you have a perfect wife or a perfect husband, then your children will be your challenge. All right? But at the same time, the problem is this. When they offend us, can we say, can we say, I forgive them? We forgive them. It says here, again, I testify to everyone. No. For in Christ, Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision accomplishes anything. What matters is faith working through love. It's not the work of the person. It's not what the person will do or have done or will continue to do in the future. It's because of the love of Christ. It's the love of God through Christ, the death on the cross, Right? To pay for our sins. It was because of that love. And then you read, if, if that's the case, and then you read James 2, which is there. James uh, writes, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, speaking to believers? If you're a Christian, he's speaking to you. If someone claims to have faith but does not have works, can such faith save him? He's questioning the person's salvation if it's true. If a brother or sister is without clothes and lacks daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, stay warm, and be well fed. But you don't give them what the body needs. What good is it? Where's the love there? Is what he's saying. Read it again. Is that a loving Christian? 
Your brother and sister already came to you. Hey, I'm hungry. And you have a fridge and a pantry full of food. You just got back from Costco. And when you say, I'll pray for you, man. <laughs> Go ahead. I'll pray for you. I'll put you in my prayer list. And uh, tell pastor about this on pr the prayer meeting on Wednesday. Right? A person's going to ask, like, what the heck? I asked for food, clearly. I said I was hungry. My stomach was rumbling. I mean, look at that. What good is that? Where is the love there? Oh, but you did all the Christianese words. I'll pray for you. I'm sorry you're going through that. To my prayer list. We know to say the right things, but we're lacking of the doing part. Right? Now, is Christianity just saying? Is, just, is Christianity just profession of faith? Do we just profess that we're Christians? Do we just put the shirt on and that's it? We buy, buy a plate number that's a Bible verse and that's it? That's as far as we're going to do it? And then when there's need, when there's like a meal train needing, we have a person who's in need. How many of us do sign up for that? Or do we don't want to be bothered? I'm too busy, man. They let them do it. That's why I don't sign up for any ministries. Why would I? Meal train. You know, we, we had a meal train for a, a sister who was sick with cancer. She's, she's now with the Lord. Praise God. But we did see, you know, we did do that. And, you know, there were some blank days there. And, I, I, and you know, we, we, what, we're 120 members? It doesn't look like it right now, but we do have 120 members because some people, when they think they become members, that means I've stopped going to church. <laughs> I did it. That's it. Thank you very much for my diploma. I'll see you next year. Just so I don't get disqualified from the role. Is Christianity no action? Because we're saved by grace, we don't change? We continue to do and live our old ways? Oh, I can live the way I want to live because I'm saved by grace, not by works, Joe. What good is that? Now, to the person that was in need, well, how good was that for him? Nothing. He's still hungry. He left that questioning his faith. Dude, I asked my brother for help, and he didn't help me. But if someone will say, you have faith, and I have works, verse 18, show me your faith without works and I will show you my faith by my works when we see somebody really nice at work speaking so well right all of a sudden if you're if you're a believer and you're like man I wonder if he's a Christian maybe I should start talking to him or her what church do you go to so right so automatically you think oh that probably a person of God because he's nice or she's nice now the question is do you do they ask that about you do they see that about you oh man I think he's a Christian or do they wonder after you say hey man you want to go to our church anniversary in October you're a what church you you're a Christian no way <laughs> no that's a good one <laughs> Why? Because they're probably seeing something that doesn't correlate with our profession. James is challenging. James is challenging those people who profess 
the faith without the works? Are you just talking the talk and not walking the walk? If you look back again in your 10-year challenge, what's the change? Has there been a change? Are you still a gossiper that you've been 10 years ago and you're still doing it only cleaner now? Only cleaner now? Now you do it in a prayer request, right? Christians are good in gossiping and then, you know, we, we camouflage it in a prayer request. Oh, hey, uh, Pastor, let's uh, pray for Brother Blankety Blank because I saw him Blankety Blank. Oh, I mean, it's good. If it's a real concern, I'm with you in that prayer. But sometimes that's your way of spreading that news. How are we changing? Now, our profession needs to correlate with our works, our works, and, and then vice versa. And then look at verse 19. You believe, look at James saying here, you believe that God is one? That's a doctrinally correct statement. Do we agree? There is, because God is one. That's doctrinally correct. That's right. And then James says, good. Even the demons believe, and they shudder. So what does this, what does this say to me? As I see this, I go, hey, you can know all the doctrines you want, and you can stand by it, but you could possibly not be living it too. Right? So living it, knowing it, and living it must be together. What you believe, you must be doing. Do we agree? If you say God is powerful, is he? Amen, he is. So you, do you have a problem that you're lifting up to him? Yes, it should be. So do we believe that God will solve it? The answer should be yes. He will solve it as he thinks is right. Sometimes it's the opposite of how we're praying for it. You know? Life is a bunch of turns. It's like, it's, imagine a freeway, right? On the freeway, you're... If you're like me, you're driving 80 or 85, right? And then there's so many exits, so many exits in life. Now, sometimes you must take it. Sometimes we must take that exit because there is a detour. This is closed. You must exit this way, which takes you to another route, and your life seems to be so much harder. And if God would have just, just kept that lane open for me, this would have been better. Yesterday, we lost our dog. I lost our dog. And you know, I grew up in the Philippines. I was 16. I'm 41 now. I think I'm 42. I've been lying about it so much, I don't know what my real age is. <laughs> so for many years, but for the... For the many years in the Philippines, we treat our dogs not the way Americans treat the dogs. Okay? So it's, culturally, it's a cultural difference, people. Okay? Don't judge us. <laughs> we keep them outside with the chain. Okay? Here you, give, you sleep with them. And the first time I said, what? When my friends were telling me. I have a friend in Reno High and he said, dude, my parents just spent $800 on my dog. I go, what? Why? 
he broke his leg, so we had to take him to the vet. 800 bucks? I go, you guys are crazy. That's just a dog. He goes, no, man. It's not just a dog. It's my family. And I could never really understand that until I lost Junior yesterday. His name's Junior because Alonzo named him after himself. It's Alonzo's dog. It's Alonzo Junior. Yeah, we lost him because of one ice that slipped. He slipped. And it caused this big gloom in our house. So it's been dragging. We've been, we couldn't move forward with our day. It's been such a struggle. It's like losing a loved one. Only this person, this thing has four legs and can't talk back. I think that's why we love dogs, because they can't talk back, right? <laughs> you feed them, they shut up, right? Unlike your kids, you feed them, they're still talking. What? What is this? You still have complaints? I already fed you. A dog, you complain, all right, good boy, go to your bed. We lost our dog and it just caused the gloom and it's just, just been dragging. I can't work. I couldn't do anything. Same with my, my, my wife and my, my kids too. We're, try, we're trying. We're trying to be strong for each other, but it just drags you. That's what life is. And we prayed. We prayed for, Lord, please heal our dog. But it didn't work that way. God had other plans. So it's just... But then do we say God is good after that? He is. He's still good. Because we had, what, three years with that dog. And it gave good joy to my children and to my family. But we, we think, we think we believe God and that's it. But then we live our lives differently. You believe that God is one? Good. Even the devils, the demons believe, and they shudder. Paul was very aware that this, his teaching of justification by faith alone was being distorted and misused by those who said, well, if we agree that you are justified, you need to get circumcised. <laughs> and the, if, well, if we are justified, well, we are ungodly by faith alone and this magnifies the grace of God and let's just keep sinning there are some people up to now that believes in this because we are saved by grace and by grace alone they live they continue to live a sinful life and Paul was aware of this back then and but then but then he he, he writes something else about it, that in Romans in Romans 3 8 and why not say as we are slanderously reported in some claim, let us do evil that good may come. That's Romans 3.8. Their condemnation is just. So Paul knows he's being slandered. Paul teaches that the more evil you do, the more good comes of it. That's what they're saying. Because God's grace is glorified in justifying the ungodly. He was being slandered. They were taking grace differently. And they were saying, this is what Paul is saying. But Paul's not saying that. Because look at Romans 5.20. Paul says, the law came in so that the transgression would increase. But where, where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. Paul knows what some are saying. Well, if grace abounds where sin increases, 
then what shall we say? Romans 6, 1. What shall we say then? Are we to continue to sin? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? That's what they're saying. Let's continue in sin that grace may increase. Is that how you're living too? I'll continue with my old ways because I'm saved by grace anyway. I'll continue to treat my loved ones like I used to. Not loving way. In an abusive way. In a neglecting way. I'll continue to show a Sunday face and a Monday to Saturday life. Right? We all wear a Sunday mask. We all cheer onward Christian soldiers. On Sunday, then we go missing in action or AWOL Monday to Saturday. Paul has answers to this kind of superficial distortion. That's what it is. It's a distortion. It's a confusion. It's an abuse of his teaching. It's an abuse of grace. He has answers in virtually all his letters to show how good works and love necessarily flow from real, flow from real justifying faith. Real justifying faith is loving. Let, make no mistake about it. If you are still an unloving person, you probably have not experienced Christ's love just yet. There's still hope for you. There's still hope for you, but maybe not yet. Because if you experience God's love, there's no way you can still be so critical of other people. There's no way. For example, in Galatians 5.13, which we will tackle, Paul says, you were called to freedom, brethren. Only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh or to sin. But through love, serve one another. Through love, serve one another. So we have a wonderful freedom from the commandments of God as a means of justification. Isn't that relieving? If you try to keep the Ten Commandments and you know you failed, now you're, you're told you don't have to keep it for you to be justified. But if you are justified by faith, there is a change in you. Now, being saved, if you believe in saving being saved by works, there is a change from outside, the outside. But say, being saved by grace, there's a change from inside out. If you are truly justified by faith, the change happens from inside out. But it's not even about our action that saved us, the good works. It's the faith. It's accepting Jesus as our Lord, repenting from our sins. Repenting, that word repenting is turning away. So how can somebody justify Romans 6.1? But does Paul then just lay the works of love on top of that freedom as a layer of legal duty? You should be asking that. You got a good start, though, if you think that. Because justification by faith alone, but now there is another way besides faith. To do what you ought to do and become a loving person, is that another condition? No, it's not another condition. 
It's the result of. Let's move forward here. <clears throat> Let's move on. James 2.21. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? Um, in James 2.23. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God. And it was credited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. See, James and Paul are saying the same thing, okay? Now, Romans, for we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. And 4 4, Romans 4 4. Now, to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. If you're working, working at your place of work, place of business, when you get your paycheck, was that your owner's gift to you? No. You say, thank you for your grace. Let me cast your grace. No, that's your paycheck. You're due that. Right? You earned it. You earned it. But salvation, you don't earn it. Now, I was talking about Galatians 5.13. I know I jumped it. For you were called to be free, brothers and sisters. Only don't use this freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but serve one another through love. I like that. Serve one another through love, not grudgingly, but lovingly. Right? For the whole law is fulfilled in one statement. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's Jesus' command, right? But if you bite and devour one another, watch out, or you will be consumed by one another. You will be a zombie church. Right? Because the concept of zombies, they eat people. Right? So is that the Christianity that we're supposed to do? No, it's the loving part. We need to be loving to one another. Now, we are saved by grace, but we're told, we're compelled. By God's love, we're compelled to love one another. Not just by words, but by actions. Not just by the action when I see you, but what's most especially when I don't see you. Do we agree? How would you like it if I'm talking nicely to you in front of you, and then by the time you turn your back, I'm like, blah, 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 blah. That's not right. Correct? That's not loving. That's hypocrisy. In Filipino, that's plastic. Plastic. You know what plastic is in the Philippines? It's so easily broken. And we have a lot of plastic in the Philippines. That's where there's a lot of flood. Okay? We throw it out and it clogs everything and it's plastic. The thing is, in the community or in the relationship, if somebody's not genuine, it is going to be ruined. It's going to be clogged. It's going to be flooded. It's going to get ruined. We need to be genuinely loving each other. Not just by words, but by action. Because God truly loves us. Completely. How did he prove it? He died. Jesus gave up his life. 
on the cross for your sins and mine. That's how much he loved us. It's true before and it's true now. He constantly seeks a, a, an intimate relationship with us. That's how much he loves us. That's why trouble comes. When trouble comes, right, that's when we start praying. Correct? Like, oh my gosh, my dog died. You start praying. Because you, when things were good, you weren't praying. You weren't intimate. When trouble hits, that's when you start talking to God. That's when you start lifting a leaf in your Bible and like, Lord, what did you say about this situation? Where are you in this circumstance? That's how much He loves us. He constantly still seeks us. James 2, 15 and 17, If a brother or sister is without clothes and lacks daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, stay warm, and be well fed, but you don't give. Where's the love there? There's no love there. There's no action behind it. So there's no love. And it's a contradiction to your faith. If you say Jesus is your Lord, your life needs to be living for Him. Everything that we do must be for Him. Yeah, it is. We're supposed to be loving to our spouse, to our children, to our co-workers. We need to be the salt and light of the world. We need to be loving them. We can't be critical of them. Matthew 22, it reads here. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment? This wasn't really a question. This person really wasn't asking Jesus. He was trying to test God, test Jesus if he knew what he was. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. The first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So what Paul is saying is not different from what Jesus said before and it's not different now we are saved by grace not by works but we need to be loving which means we need to be doing something and our love is called for action not just by words right because love is an is an action word it's an action word the love that, that Jesus is saying is the agape love. It's the unselfish love. It's, not, it's, it's way past than the brotherly love or the, the erotic love. It's, it's the agape love. That's the kind of love that Jesus is talking about here. And then Jesus says in John 14, 14, if you love me. Is it 15? Okay, 14, 15. Sorry. It's, uh, thank you for your grace. <laughs> if you love me, you will keep my commandments. There's a, there's an action there. If you love Jesus, there's action. With the action is love, not condemn others. If you love me, condemn others. Is that what he said? If you love me, gossip about other people. If you love me, be harsh to everyone that's not a Christian. If you love me, 
obey my commandments? And what are his two greatest commandments? To love him with your entire being and to love others because it's as equal as the first one. You know, in Galatians 5, 6, a crucial text in seeing Paul and James in harmony with each other. For in Christ Jesus, he says, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything, but faith working through love. So when Paul dealt with the abuse of his doctrine of justification by faith alone, he said, it's not added works like circumcision that will win God's favor. So you're asking what then? It is faith working through love. Notice very carefully what he says. What counts with God? Faith. But what kind of faith? Faith that works through love. I can't say it enough. He does not say that what counts with God is faith plus a layer of loving works added to the faith. He says that what faith, that what counts with God is the kind of faith that by its nature produces love. But it is faith that gives us our right standing with God. The love that comes from it only shows now that I think is what James is trying to get across to his churches. Loveless faith is absolutely useless. And anybody that comes along and says we are justified by faith alone, and so you don't have to be a loving person to go to heaven, is not telling the truth. Let's see how James corrects this distortion of Paul's teaching here where you have to watch for his words. When James says, even when his words may seem to be in conflict with Paul, it is the meaning of conflict. This faith cannot justify anybody. Verse 14, what use is it, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but has no works? James and Paul are saying the same thing. There's no difference. They're just using a different word. If people will say, you can be saved by works, Paul is saying, no, you're only saved by faith. And if people are saying you can be saved and not produce good works, James is saying, no. You cannot be saved and not produce love. I'm going to close with this one. If you were praying that Lord let him finish, your prayer is going to be answered. <laughs> right. This is love. This is not the Hollywood love. This is love. This is love as God has shared to us and wants us to know. Not that we love God but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins to pay for our debt against him. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. My goodness, isn't that? That's kind, of, that's kind of hard to swallow at times. 
that if God, if people are seeing God in us and we're not walking it correctly, that should make us shudder. This is how we know that we live in Him and He in us. He has given us of His Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one that will give you the power to live like Christ, to love like Christ. He is the one that empowers us. He's the one that gives us the will and to act according to His purpose. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. So if you acknowledge that, if you have professed that, God lives in you. So how can you say you can still stay the same unloving person that you are? And so we know and rely on the love of God for us. God is love. So a Christian who is not loving, you question that. That person must question himself or herself. Why am I not loving? Because God is loving. God lives in me. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. You see that? This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. Are you being a good representative of Jesus? Is your 10-year challenge representing Jesus? If, you, if your 10 years ago was the devil, is your 10 years now Jesus Christ? Is that what you're showing the world? Verse 18, there is no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Anybody that thinks they need to continue to earn God's salvation or God's grace is not made perfect in love. They have not understood the grace of God that was freely given to them. Just by faith in accepting Jesus as their Lord. That's it. Verse 19. If you can't love then this is, this is the problem. This is your problem. The opposite of this statement is your problem. We love because He first loved us. There you go. Maybe God doesn't love you. Maybe you haven't experienced God's love. That's why you're not loving. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. So we have to ask ourselves. Whom am I not loving? In your family, in the church, at work. And then you have to ask yourself, why am I not loving? If God has loved me, the imperfect me, why can't I return that? Why am I not showing this? So you need to revisit. You need to revisit your point of salvation. I don't care if it's in your Bible and there's a date. Look at that and re really examine what happened there. What happened on that date? Did I really surrender? Did I really accept Jesus as my Lord? Or it was, was I just pressured? Or was I feeling so spiritual because the songs were great? And I started crying. 
and it just felt right to go up there. I didn't really know what happened though after that. Maybe that's the problem. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. You know, in my utmost for his highest by Oswald Chambers, I was caught this week by this, this uh, paragraph. And this, is, this could also be a trap of us when we're serving God and we, we lose the love and intimacy with him. He says here, beware of anything that competes with your loyalty to Jesus Christ. The greatest competitor of true devotion to Jesus is the service or the work that we do for him. It is easier to serve than to pour out our lives completely for him. Do we agree? I agree. It's easier for me to come up here than to be truly intimate with the Lord. I think that's stupid, but it is so much easier. It is so much easier to sing songs here. But then to be completely surrendered to God your whole week. It's so much easier to sing here for 15 minutes. It's so much easier to sit down in a Bible study for an hour and not be completely surrendered to God. It can happen. It does happen. So we need to be aware of it. The goal of the call of God is His satisfaction. It's for him. It's not for us. Not simply that we should do something for him. You know, we do something for God. We are not sent to do battle for God, but to be used by God in his battles. It's his choice. We just take the privilege. It's our privilege. We take a part of it, but it's his call. It's his call on whatever, on however he wants to use us. Now the question, are we more devoted to service than we are to Jesus Christ himself? Now we are saved by grace and by grace alone, through faith and through faith alone, through Christ and through Christ alone. But the truly, a person that is sincerely and truly saved by faith produces love. Amen? And not just by words, but by actions. Let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you for your love, Lord God, that you have poured out to us through your Son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for everything, Lord God, that we have experienced all these years with you. And now, Lord, as we thank you for your message, as we heard your message, I pray for the Holy Spirit to give clarity to your people, Lord God, and give them the desire, Lord God, to obey whatever it is that you have told them to do. If it is changed, Lord God, I pray that you empower them to change. If it is strength to continue to do what they're doing in obedience to you, Father God, please give them the strength. And Father, I pray if it is for that person to finally accept the fact that he or she cannot earn their way to heaven, I pray that they will surrender their lives tonight. We thank you for your truth, Lord God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. That was the end of today's message. If you want to support our mission of reaching many others through this podcast, help us grow our ministry by visiting ficfreno.com forward slash give. 
To get the latest updates from our channel, hit the subscribe button. Visit our Facebook page by clicking the link below to let us know how God is moving in your life.